a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast. This is the Lakewood MX Wrap-Up. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. We'll also talk some Calgary uh, motocross first round of the canadian series that was up there this weekend of course i'm steve mathis thank you fly racing uh, flyracing.com please check them out on the web they've got all you need for your biker body they got the formula helmet they got the kinetic mesh they've got the evo gear yeah they got a lot of cool stuff zach osborne making the podium with fly racing blake baggett justin bogle ben lemay just a few guys wearing fly racing dylan merriam hopefully he's all right Had a big crash but he's a fly guy flyracing.com please check them out they support this show and many things that we do as far as the show, so man, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun to have them on our side. So support them, man. Uh, I'd appreciate it. Also, I want to thank Alpine Stars, the Tech Ten, the most advanced boot in motocross today. The A4 chest protector, the A1 chest protector, man. Got a great company, great things uh, coming from them. Of course, uh, Barsha and Tomac and Anderson and those guys wear the gear, but they got much more than that, man. Uh, Tech Seven boots, also. I love the Tech Seven boots. So please check them out. And thanks to the folks at uh, Alpine Stars for coming on board. You know the name and uh, you know the quality they have. Also. Maxis, MXST tires, and they make We Just Watch that we'll dive into uh, shortly on the podcast. Uh, MXST tires developed by the King, Jeremy McGrath. Mountain bike tires are fantastic. Uh, try the Minions if you're riding somewhere that needs some aggressive uh, knobbies for, for mountain bikes. And uh, AJ Catanzaro putting them in the main events with uh, MXST tires. So thanks to Maxis folks as well. And somebody that uh, recently come on the podcast that the Monster Energy Pro Circuit team uses, it's a slickwash.com. They've got kits for your uh, ATVs, UTVs, mountain bikes, dirt bikes. You know it. Uh, their three-step wash process is the best way to wash your bike. It's everything you need for a faster, safer, easier wash. And Monster Energy Pro Circuit uses them. Uh, use the code Steve to get 20% off your order of any wash kit. Capital, all caps, Steve. SlickProductsUSA.com. SlickWash.com. That all works. Thanks to those guys for making it happen. Thank you, people, for listening. Wygant and Thomas coming up. They were both at the race this weekend. So uh, that's a little change from the usual outdoor MX preview pod. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Please check out uh, the uh, Fly Racing Moto 60 show on Thursdays. Check out the uh, Fantasy show as well. Pumping that up, pulpamex.com. Go there, vote on the poll. Lit kit versus best dressed. Please do that. Got our usual columns going up uh, weekly. Kiefer wrote a daytime uh, column that he uh, does from the couch. And uh, yeah, some good stuff over there. And also, don't forget to subscribe to Racer X Magazine. Uh, some really cool feature stories in there, of course, uh, and uh, really bonus gifts for subscribing to the di- digital edition or the print edition, man. We really appreciate it. Some great stuff in there that you will not see on the web. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Let's get into the Lakewood MX Review with Weege and JT. All right, let's dive into it on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, Lakewood Review. 
On the line from Fly Racing, flyracing.com. The man was there this weekend uh, running the VIP program for the uh, Rocky Mountain KTM team. Uh, Jason Thomas, what's up, JT? How are you? I am pretty good, pretty good. Actually went to the race this weekend. So, uh, Steve, have you even seen the race yet? Yes. Okay, good. good uh, well, three and a half motos, actually. Sorry, I've not seen all of them. <laughs> all right. I watched three and a half today. Yep. Uh, also on the line, uh, the voice of Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championships, the voice of um, Endurocross, the voice of Geneva Supercross, the voice of Flat Track, the voice of Quad Racing, the voice of GNCC Racing, the Jason Wygant. What's up, Weege? Yeah. You're really going to go there? You're, you're that mad? I'm going to give you a little rundown here last um, last week. We have uh, Watchgate, which we'll get to here. Mm-hmm. Uh, proudly bought my son a uh, used PW50 last Wednesday. First move is to wash it. A pressure washer no longer works. Don't know why. I was wondering why my lawn was starting to look brown. And I'm like, I don't get it. I have sprinklers. They're supposed to go off every morning. And then I checked the sprinkler box. It's just screened blank. It's just off. But all my fuses in my house are working. So it's just busted. Then uh, my daughter took a shower tonight. I tried to help her blow dry her hair. Nothing was working. Two blow dryers no longer work. And then uh, we tried to do this podcast on FaceTime for the first time to improve our audio quality. He mm-hmm. said I would need to upgrade my phone operating system to do that. Yep. And I got an unknown error, and now my cell phone is no longer working. So <laughs> it's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, it's where I'm at. you've always been, you and technology have always worked hand-in-hand hand and very smoothly. So yeah. Unknown error. Everything I do gets the unknown error. Unknown error has occurred. That's where we're at. <laughs> TV show. Huge unknown errors are occurring. You So, for the record, the beeping last week that we blamed on the Maxis watch uh, and it occurred again this week. My Twitter feed blew up with it. I was up in Calgary. And uh, you, you tweeted out a photo. You were not wearing the watch. It was never the watch, as far as we know, which leads JT to have a whole lot of questions. I think Weege needs to take the four. I, I don't even know no, what to it, ask because none of this makes any sense. Yeah, no, I said you, it just leads you with more questions. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, I, yeah. I don't have any yeah. answers, and I don't even know what questions to ask. <laughs> um, yeah, so I didn't have the watch on this weekend, and uh, suddenly I heard the sound. And I'm, like, having PTSD nom flashbacks. Like, I, Barsha cleaned out Marvin in the second turn, but I, don't, I never saw it. Because I was, like, in a, in a haze of, like, you know the movie Predator, like, where he's only seeing, like, in heat? Wait, you've seen Predator? Because it's not real life. Yeah, my dad took me to see it in the movies, and I was, like, seven. Okay. So, oh, wow. It's old enough where I wasn't making decisions. Right, yep. Um, so I was only seeing things in, like, that Predator, like, green-red haze at that point. Because I was like, how can this be? How can this be? This is like, I buried that watch in the dirt outside the truck. We can't even hear bikes riding past the semi next to the track. How can I hear this effing watch? So I actually hit the talkback button where we can communicate with their producer, and I said, that beeping's not mine. That's not me. And I didn't hear anything for the rest of the... And they never responded to that message. And then Uh it came on at least once, if not two more times. And I'm like, I don't understand. I, I am completely at a loss. Like, everything I have mechanically is effed up. I get it. But this cannot possibly be. There's no way. How can this be? So they were trying to figure out. They're like, so I got a call from uh, our assistant producer today. And he's like, when you told us that's not me, what were you talking about? 
And I'm like, that beeping sound, that wasn't coming from me. They're like, but you can't hear that. And I'm like, I heard it. It was on the show. I got blasted on Twitter for it. And they're like, that can't go out over the air. I'm like, it did. So they started to piece together the mystery. And here's the craziest part. Remember how last week I made fun of the fans for saying the alarm that goes off when you come back from commercial can be heard? Yeah. And I said there is no such thing? Right. Apparently there is such a thing. But it only plays inside the producer's truck, not ours. And somehow it got patched into the speaker that is inside our announcing trailer and was playing through the speaker, which sits to the left of my desk. My watch, by the way, I put on my left arm. That speaker and my watch are probably 18 inches apart most of the time. My hands are on the desk. The speaker's on the desk. I have a headset on. I hear what sounds like a watch. It was never my watch. It was never the watch. Sorry, Maxis. It really was a countdown clock to tell us we were coming back from commercial. This thing actually exists. The fans were right. So, so Weege, you, you did have the watch on Saturday morning. You took this off before airtime? Yep, and that's why I took a photo just to prove to the world. When we did our stand-up, I'm like, I'm going to take this photo so everyone knows. I can't believe you wore it. I, got, I would have smashed that thing into 5,000 pieces on the ground probably. But no. Yeah, I know, but I, I mean, I got it for free, dude. You put it back on. I did. Now I'm looking back, and I'm like, it is odd that the only time the watch I ever, ever made noise was specifically the four hours we were on the air at Pala. It never made noise at any other point in the month that I've had it. It's very weird. Uh, I, what I don't but get is that. These things tend to happen to me, so I was, I was willing to accept that. Where's GL in all of this? GL hearing the beeping? GL saying it's not me? GL looking at anything? I don't know. I was reading a promo for the Belmont Stakes on NBC, and it was going off. And I looked at GL with, like, exasperated, like, like my hands up in the air, like, what is this? And he looked at me so confused. And I'm like, is it in my head? Is it, does he have so many sounds in his head that he doesn't hear? He actually, it's like a negative, like a, like a sound vacuum. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, my cell phone's blown up. My sprinkler system is busted pressure washer doesn't work watch gate like i don't even understand what's going on right now i don't he's he's rattled jt he is he's having a hell of a hell of an opening to this season dude i was so mad for the last seven days over this watch thing i was absolutely mortified that this had happened and now i'm realizing that it never actually did but who's going to believe me no one's going to believe this they're just all they're going to know is the original thing is moron announcer whose watch kept going off. Well, we got a lot of problems with results and graphics and things. That we, it's, it's true. It start the season, so you know you missed the start in 2010. You know, I mean, what 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 the hell's going on? That's the same thing. I got blamed on me as well. Like I can't call a race when we don't have monitors. Um. Uh, well. Yeah. Uh, I'm the whole thing though. Like the watch last weekend. You're looking at your watch. I mean, watches don't just beep without telling you on their face of the watch what is going on, I believe. Yeah, but you have to understand the freaking panic that I'm going through at this time. Like, I wish I could accurately say when I looked at the watch what I saw it doing. I hit every button on this watch over and over and over, and I'm like, why won't it make the sound stop? Surely one of these four buttons will turn this sound off. And then it didn't have any effect, and then it would come back on eight minutes later, and I'm like, great, I probably just hit a snooze button or something, because it just keeps going. And then again, never made a sound once we were off the air. Okay. And I'm like, just my luck. 
just my luck. Wow. I hit the snooze button one time during the four hours, and it kept going. You apologize and now. To, apparently, nothing to do with anything. You apologize to Maxis now. Yeah, great tires, great watches. Oh, okay. <laughs> Silence is golden. Uh, uh, I wa- so I, I watched the race today. Like I said, three and a half motos. Uh, we're done with the Roxon thing. We're done, everybody. We're done. It was over two years ago. Like, I get it. It's a cool story, and his career almost did end. What's the, what's the, 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 the time limit on this thing, JT? We, we stopped showing well, Kenny. Like, I, I, so I was watching this race on this weekend. I was at the race, but I was also in view of a screen that was showing the race, too. And I actually uh, mentioned to uh, one of the uh, dealers that I'm like, can you imagine how sick of seeing this crash Ken Roxon is? Like, I can't even imagine how over he is about being asked about it. Seeing the video, are you ever, you know, do you ever think you're going to be as good again? Does it, does your arm still bother you? I mean, we're all sick of it. I can't imagine what he goes through. I just, I feel like it's an, you can't, you can't go back to two years ago and be like, look what happened. Oh my God. You know, I just, I, I don't know. I think the thinking on it is, and this is the struggle always with the TV show, there's always this belief that you're getting this new uninitiated audience that doesn't know the story. Tell the story. Tell the story. They've never heard the story. People are watching for the first time. That's the, the balance you're, you're always trying to work, and I bet you that's the theory. Well, that's this fu- could be the first time this audience today has ever heard about this. Keep showing it. Okay, well. You know, hold, sorry. Hold on a second. Shouldn't, shouldn't in this day and age with the, the analytics and all the tools we have to, you know, research this stuff and how much money spent on marketing to target audiences and everything else that goes on that I get emailed about for sponsorship, shouldn't we know exactly how many new viewers there are? Because I, I would bet it's not very many. They know the total number. I don't think anybody knows anything beyond that. I've even asked fellow people, I'm like, you know when you have like 40,000 people in the crowd, like, how many of them really follow the sport closely and how many of them just show up because it's cool on Saturday night, and they've always said they have no idea. Dude, TV, yeah, they know how many people watch. I, I, I they don't, don't know who those yeah, people yeah, are. When I watch the NFL, they don't explain to me that Dak Prescott came in for an injured Tony Romo and Romo never played again. Like They don't talk about that. Hey, everybody, Tom Brady, here's the play where uh, Drew Bledsoe got hurt. Here it is. Like, like, we, like dude, we get it. It's two years. Like, I get, I get the first time he comes back and the first six months when he comes back. Maybe the first time he races Supercross again. You know, and this goes for the Supercross people, too. Like, Ralph can't shut up about this. Like, Yeah, because they're under the same idea yeah, here, but, which is our sport's small. One of these weeks is going to be the week where we get these millions and millions of new fans and we're finally okay. going to be big. All right, okay, fantastic, great. I'm uh, serious. I think that's been the theory for, seriously, probably the last 34 years. One of these weeks will be the week where America discovers dirt bike right. racing and it finally becomes mainstream. When you try to appeal to everybody, you appeal to nobody. So, like, Ooh, that's, nice. you know, that's, that's the deal. Like, stop it. Stop it. We, we got nice. it, you know, so. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways, JT, you're not happy with the TV broadcast either, JT. You are not happy with the human interest stuff that is coming on TV. I, I have to be careful here because there's a lot of things that are mandated, but I, I haven't been thrilled so far. <laughs> There's nothing worse to me than cutting away from the action. The reason that people turn on their television is to see the racing. Okay, That is the number one, and it is inarguable, that that is why people are turning, tuning in, is to watch the racing. 
in the middle of the racing to cut away to a course preview or some sort of lifestyle piece that I honestly, I shouldn't say I don't care, but I, man, it's, it's hard to justify to me other than they just have to do it because it's in some sort of contract. Yeah. It, they, it, I mean, yeah, it's brutal for me. Absolutely brutal. I had, I don't know what there is to do about it. Probably nothing. Nothing's ever going to change. But when I watch it, you know, it, it's so hard. Like you're watching and you're like, damn, I just want to watch the battle. Like, yeah. you, guys, you know, uh, somebody just made a pass. I don't care about them wakeboarding on the weekend or, you know, happen to be playing chess or what, like that may sound really harsh or, you know, whatever jaded, but man, I just want to watch the damn racing. That, that's just my personal opinion. I, I'm and, with you, but. You know the the course preview is a sponsored thing, right? So I get it. Yeah. I just hate it. Like I, I literally hate it. Like <laughs> that far into the moto, yeah. We we've, we've already watched ten laps. We got the track. We got it. Right. So the theory on that is, oh, we'll show the riders as they say with their helmets off, and the fans will engage with them. And then again, mainstream America will be like, wait a minute, I like this guy. I want to start watching these races so I can root for this guy. So that's always the theory behind any of those interview-type things. It's, again, going to introduce America to the sport and make them fall in love with it. Um, second, I will say that we have spotters, and they have a, we have a better idea of when things are materializing. Like, they don't, they don't just randomly throw in that GoPro at any random point. They kind of wait till they get a sense of, I bet you the next two minutes nothing's going to happen here's our best shot. So it does seem terrible that it gets played on the 25th minute of the moto, but there's a reason they usually don't play it in the fourth minute of the moto because that's when you miss stuff. And I will defend, as our producer said, we went to dinner Friday night. He's like, yeah, no one gets credit when we suddenly try, uh, suddenly cut the camera to Hunter Lawrence and Jordan Smith battling for third 20 seconds before they crashed into each other and went down last week. No one ever thinks like, hey, that was really smart for them to go from the lead to the battle for third right before they collided. We get that stuff right all the time, but it it just always appears like it's nitwits running the show, no matter what. Because the stuff that's right is taken for granted, and it never looks like there's an actual plan behind things, but everything's planned. That's all I can say. There's a a reason for everything. I'm not... Maybe you don't like the reason, but there is a reason. I'm not as as, as strong as JT, because I get it. You got to do that, appeal to different people, you know, and you got to pay the bills and all that. I certainly... To have a lot of sponsor reads in my stuff, but but the Roxon thing, really? I, I'm over this rock, I'm Roxon thing. I'm done. With hold, that. Okay. I, I'm done. I'm done. Is there a, is there a way? And I get it. All that stuff has to happen. But for the love of God, can we do it in the first 11 minutes of the broadcast? That's well, there's I'm a reason the motos do start at 1:12. The reason the motos start at 1:12 and not 1 o'clock is to get as much of that stuff in. And that's uh, what I'm you're talking I know, about. I know that. I yeah. get it. So we get almost all of it in and most of the time all of it in, but sometimes one or two doesn't get in. Because there's always this, first of all, in motocross, it's terrible. You have this crazy dynamic of when they hit the two-lap card, which is give or take two minutes in either direction. So within your hour, you've got a four-minute, and we don't know what's going to happen variable immediately. Parade lap, give or take. A um, couple other things, give or take. So that's the plan. Absolutely, is to do all that stuff before the gate drops, and that's why the gate doesn't drop till 12 minutes after the hour, or whatever it is, 11 minutes. But it only works out sometimes, and then yeah, MX versus ATV track preview ends up being pushed into the moto. 
Okay. Yeah, I feel bad yeah. for you guys. Nobody's pumped on it. I'm just saying there is a reason. That's all I got for you. Yeah, I know. And I, I know. I know yeah. enough to know that it's all, you know, there's there's a method for all of it, a method to madness. I right. get it. It's not just because, yeah. like, screw it, we're going to go right in the middle of the battle. You know, I, I understand. Yeah. Nobody wants to. I well, yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously you get it. Fly sponsored a lot of stuff for a lot of time. So I'm sure you know how it works. But, yeah, nobody's stoked when we have to do it. But I will say that. In general, they have a fairly good sense of, I think this is the safest two minutes to drop this in, or we're not going to miss uh, a battle. That's the hope, at least. I, I think um, the hard, for you guys, it's, it's got to be difficult, too, because, you know, I'm watching, I watch on television sometimes. I always have the app on, so when it cuts to commercial, I can then watch the app. Even though it's delayed, I can get that gap and not yep. miss anything, right? Not miss any yep. of the broadcast. Yep. But then, like, this weekend, for you guys, it cut right back in as Roxanne and Tomac going to the battle, and you just have to go, we're in the thick of the battle here. Roxanne and Tomac, you know, the battle, like, because Tomac was, I don't know, four seconds back, and then all of a sudden you guys come back from commercial, and Tomac's there, and you got you have to catch everyone up. And then, you know, like, there is no – there was no buildup. It was like he was four or five seconds back, and then you guys come back from a commercial – and the battle's on. Like, that's not ideal for anybody either. Yeah, when you have a sport that, and that's what motorsports are, when they, you have a sport without timeouts or quarters or whatever, dude, you go to commercial and it's just a Hail Mary. And you just hope, okay, Tomac's three seconds behind. Let's get this two-and-a-half-minute commercial in now, and hopefully he doesn't make up those three seconds. Oh, damn it, he just did it. He just made up the three seconds in one lap, and we're still 30 seconds away from being done with commercial. Damn it. Happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. All right, um, let's move right. on. Let's move, move on. on. Uh, okay, so again, I wasn't there. Tomac first moto, Stoffer goggles. Um, was that because of rain or like they, the race started rain started raining the two fifty moto? Like obviously red flagged yep. it for lightning. Did was this a rain issue with his goggles or a goggle malfunction? And also, was Tomac's moto the first moto one of those puzzling Tomac rides, or was there something more to it that I missed? Well, what do you think, JT? Yes, for sure, because of the rain, because he would have never worn roll-offs otherwise, right? Uh, I think it's there's a lot to it, because I don't think he uses roll-offs very often. I, I know for a fact he doesn't. He virtually never does. And roll-offs are susceptible. I, I think they're more reliable than tear-offs in the rain, but if you're not used to them, they, are, they do take some getting used to, and you can't panic. You have to be somewhat, you know, calm and, and pull the string and trust that process. What I don't know is if he had something break, uh, because if you take a rock or something to the cartridges, those can break or pop off. Uh, but clearly he had a, a film issue and then he was pulling all the film. So yeah, these things happen, you know, tear offs are very susceptible to issues too. roll offs. He obviously had a problem where he couldn't see because he had pulled all the film and then, uh, you know, my biggest problem with this whole scenario was that he didn't stop sooner. You know, he, he even mentioned uh, after the second moto, you know, I had a, that was really tough and uh, had a vision issue. And, and we could all see on, you know, te- the television broadcast very clearly that his goggles had a problem. But why didn't he pull in sooner? Uh, he must have gone in. And we, I don't know if you guys have this documented ever, but it had to be at least three full laps, if not more, where he was, going terribly slow for him because of this problem. 
And then he finally, finally pulls in. I just, I don't get it. I don't, I don't have any, have anything else other than man. If you would have pulled in three or four laps sooner, you may have been able to catch back up to, you know, third, fourth, fifth place, whatever. Yeah. So on that, I mean, yeah, it's true that uh, I don't think it was the rain that ruined the goggles. It was a malfunction of the roll-offs, right? Like he was ripping okay. the film off right. to try to fit, right? I think that was fairly clear, right? That the, yep. I mean, he had all the roll-off film just dangling. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. I think we, the teams, riders, they might want to have a sea change here. So we've seen in the GPs, right, where it is now essentially illegal to ride without goggles, right? And they've set up a goggle lane to change goggles. I think actually it's a it's a test this year, but next year it's illegal to ride without goggles. Oh, this year, okay. They're, they, they're, they, but they're, 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 they're phasing it in, yeah. They're recommending it, I guess? Yeah. Recommending yeah, it. Right. right. Well, what they're trying to do with this goggle lane is like, hey, let's try to figure out a way where a goggle stop is not quite so detrimental where that's the better option. And I feel like in the history of motocross, the stopping for goggles is like, that's plan B. Plan A is to just try to tough it out. So my thoughts were that that was what Tomac was going to do. Like, oh, my goggles are screwed. This is going to make for a tough moto. I'm going to have to figure out a way. And then it was like, okay, I guess even that's not going to work. I guess I'm going to pull in. Like the, the immediate let me just go for goggles option it seems like they try to not do that, and that might have been costly there. Like, right. if he had just gone with that immediately, but instead it's like they try to tough it out, or they'll just take the goggles off and ride without them. You know, the the goggle companies now, and I'm sure Oakley has it, they have um, tear-offs that are encased in the little um, sort of lip around the goggle, so there's no water in between the tear-offs anymore. So you can run tear-offs in rain, and, and, and they won't get in between the goggles. It's, it's kind of a neat little thing that's been out for maybe maybe a year yeah. or so. Really neat. He but. definitely had the roll-offs. But by the way, like you saw, I think Nichols went in for a goggle change yep. in his moto, and the goggle change was impeccable. Yeah. Like he barely lost. I mean, lost some time, but it was right. maybe six seconds. Yep. Tomax one wasn't as good. So I guess what I'm getting at is if they really start rehearsing this and planning it and knowing, like, this is what we're going to do every time we have a problem. Let's just make this efficient, and it's always the way to go. I think it's – going to end up being the better option, but it's just not what people are used to doing. Okay, a couple, couple things here I just want to add. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, uh, when I really think about what he was doing and, and the way the film was, I, and, and you could see him when he landed from that tabletop, he was pulling the, the film like with his hand. He was literally grabbing the film and pulling it. The only time I've ever had that happen where I needed to do that was when the actual string broke because there's a string, you know, when you, you have a handle and you have that handle on the left side of your cartridge is connected to a string so that string pulls the film across the the lens right if that string snaps you have no way to pull film new film across and i've had it happen anybody who's ever used roll slot has had it happen it the string just breaks so to pull that film by hand would be the natural reaction to that because you just can't see so then you would grab the film and, and pull it across by hand the problem is that film is not going into the other cartridge so it's just adding up and flopping around so if i had gun to my head i would i would guess that's what happened um the second thing here okay so when he pulls in and just like you said weed with rehearsing i'm i'm watching the re-watching the race today and i'm just yelling at the tv because the way they've got to do this and, and I'm, I'm being armchair quarterback here i totally understand that but that's why we're here when he pulls in okay he puts the bike in neutral when he stops okay that's what he absolutely what he needs to do 
But in that moment, Kranz needs to hand him the goggles. Let him put the goggles on and take off. His mechanic tries to put the goggles on his helmet, and if you've ever had somebody try to put goggles on you, it's damn near impossible. Like, it pulls your head back. They can't get the right angle on it. Like, it never goes on easily. You, He's basically pull up, put it in neutral, hand him the goggles, put the goggles on, take off. Like, that's yeah, but, the absolute fastest way to do it. Yeah, Nichols did, did mechanic did it, though, and it was smooth, and it was good. Yeah, just I just, man, I, I put goggles on mannequins at my job all the time, like, for a living. Like, I do it a lot. And it's very difficult to get them on. You don't put goggles on mannequins quickly. for a living. You don't put goggles on mannequins for a living, like you said. Like, that's not your job. You don't get paid for that. I did probably. I did it about 15 times last week. I mean, okay. I'm, I'm just not saying. Okay. I'm just saying. My day in and day out does not consist of But I do it probably. I've done it more, probably 10 times more in my life than you have, at minimum. It's not easy to do. I'm just saying, if you go back and watch... Tomac and Kranz try to put goggles on. It is n- does not go well. Yeah, I, it, it, it probably cost them two or three seconds I've because been, they couldn't get them on. I've correct. been a goggle guy in in stops uh, for goggles and mechanic. And yep. yes, I, I give the goggle the rider. Uh, somebody else takes the goggles off, and the rider has the goggles in his hands. That's how I've always yeah. done it. You know. Um, and then yeah, as you know, at GNCC, just, they put the goggles on top of the gas can. So while they're dumping gas into the bike, the rider grabs the goggles off the gas can right. and puts them on himself. Right. Yeah. Um, so, hey, Roxon, uh, one again, took the points lead back. Uh, that first moto, man, he was gone. See ya. I'm out of here. Dude. That was good. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. That was, that was, that was a clinic. And, uh, so now we're back to good Kenny and he's got this issue under control and he's got the points lead (laughs) and everything's great. (laughs) I mean, right. Like that's where we're at. I I don't know. Yeah. You know, here's my question. Okay. The. The three first motos this year have been just hellacious speed in the first three or four laps. He didn't end up winning that one last weekend, but Mm -hmm. it was the same thing. It was like a five-second lead immediately. This week it was a nine-second lead immediately. Hangtown, it was passing probably four dudes in like four corners. Uh, Those coincidentally, like the motos he's won in the first moto Hangtown, first moto here, were also motos where Tomac struggled and didn't even get to second. So... Tomac's been able to handle them one-on-one in the other motos. If the unbelievable speed first three laps, Kenny, races a moto where Eli doesn't mess something up, can Eli beat – does Eli beat that straight up? Like, he ran him down second moto. Yeah. And he ran him down both motos last week, no doubt. But what about that, the nine-second lead in two laps guy? Yeah. Can he, un- can he run that down? Yeah, I don't know. Good question. <laughs> Do you think there was different – JT, do you think Roxon Moto 1, Moto 2 was different? He got out front just like he did in the first moto and the second moto, but it wasn't an alarming lead immediately like it was in the first moto. Yeah, it, it was different, but it was also situational. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think Zach rode that well in the first moto, especially in the early laps. I think he was kind of trying to feel the track out, and Roxon was just dropping the hammer. Yep. With Tomac's issues and none of you know Muscan's laying on the ground, so you Webb didn't get a great start. None of the none of the contenders were really near the front, other than Zacco, and he admittedly didn't ride very well. So that's part of it. But also, you know, Kenny just was putting in the best laps of the race and and was gone. There's there was you know not to discredit his ride at all, but the second moto, I don't think he had just the the huge pace advantage that he did in the first moto. So I think he's going to be, you know, 
I think he's going to be a threat all season. Um, but as we keep mentioning, I don't think he's really been physically tested. You know, I don't know that that question's been answered yet. He's great. He's riding incredibly well. Speed is good, all that stuff. But, we, you know, the high was, I don't know, 70 maybe. The rain cooled it down. It was, it was maybe even in the low 60s, you know, in most of the afternoon. We haven't had that really brutal test yet to see if, you know, his own body will, will you know, back up to what he needs it to do. But I think the pace, I think he's good. Um, so, yeah, it's still unanswered questions as far as all that goes. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, Osborne got his first career podium. We knew this was coming. He's riding riding well, and he wasn't that stoked. We were talking to him today a little bit on, on a text message. He wasn't that stoked with how he rode, but – you know, like you said, he got he definitely got blitzed in that first moto, like holy shit, like early on, right? The first first couple laps, uh, but then yeah, settled in and and um, yeah, rode good as far as I as far as I can tell. And maybe he's not stoked, but two four for third overall, um, you know, he'll definitely take it home each. I was surprised, yeah, to hear him saying he had said in the podium a little bit that it wasn't, you know, he felt like he got a podium on not his best day, which is kind of encouraging. But then yeah, when we were talking to him today, it sounded like much worse than just not your best day like he really yeah. he said he actually felt worse than he did the first two rounds yeah and normally that's a really good track for him so i was surprised to hear that because i thought it was a really good run in general so i'm curious if anyone's going to be able to move out with these guys like it does seem like as usual when tomac gets everything right he's still the guy to beat kenny's definitely the guy that's putting the pressure on and then i'm wondering who else can match it you know Muscan's had one good race out of three yeah. Maybe Zach's the guy to do it. Maybe Webb finally figures it out. Maybe it's Anderson. I don't know. Is, is someone else going to be there with them, or is it going to end up being those two? I don't. Marv was better than Kenny last week. Yeah, I don't think so. Balls. You think out. it's those two? I don't think balls out speed. Yeah, it's it's Roxon and Tomac. Right. That to me, anyways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Webb. I was surprised to see Webb get shuffled back. Uh, first moto strong. Third, second moto grabbed the whole shot. He was right there and. Man, guys were just going around the outside of him. He just wasn't feeling it. I mean, Thunder Valley's a track where, like, man, it, the lines you use in the first moto, they don't work in the second moto for the most part. And you got to really switch it up, and you got to find smooth lines. There's ruts everywhere. It's the slot car deal with Thunder Valley. Uh, but the second moto surprised me, JT. Uh, he was he was getting backwards pretty quick after a guy who, who podiumed the moto one. Yeah, it was weird. You know, in uh, 2013 – really the first time we saw him kind of break out and, and he didn't win or anything, but he was, I think he was leading at one point on a 250 was at Thunder Valley. So he's had, he's had some flashes even as long ago as that was at this track. So it, it doesn't jump out as to me as one that he would struggle with. Uh, but yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't really had it. I mean, you go back to, to Paula, he goes six, six. This was kind of just another weekend like that where he had an opportunity to put in a good result and just wasn't able to do it. So you never know, man. It's it's tough with guys that come off a Supercross championship. We've seen this. This is not a foreign concept where they have this Supercross hangover. Um, I'll be interested to see. You know, he's going to have a weekend off. He's going to be able to regroup. He, he obviously knows it's not going very well. So what adjustments do they make? Uh, is there, you know, is he able to, to close the gap or figure out any, anything that's going wrong in this uh, two-week break? You know, it could be the bike. It could be him. It could he could just be exhausted after, you know, a stressful Supercross run. We've, we've seen that where it just takes it out of guys so much pressure for that long. 
Any, uh, any, but certainly it's not what we expected. Any word on Anderson and anything he did special for altitude stuff? He's had some good rides here at Colorado before. Uh, today or yesterday was was, was decent for him, 4-5. Um, any more talk yeah, about Yeah, I think that's like the Kenny Arm story. I think he's got that fixed. Uh, a couple years ago, I think they were talking about some medicine, but they did have to get a TUE approved for with uh, WADA and USADA. But he actually got third overall, I think, in 2017. So I think that's right. I think they got that fixed. Um, Marvin, like you said, he got uh, cleaned up by Barsha, so he's basically dead last. Got eighth, third in the second moto. Marv, Marv's been in my columns and on my podcasts and shows. We, each, I, I fairly mentioned Marv, and he's had up. It's been up and down for him, not all his fault, like we just said, but he's having a quiet outdoor year. Well, that's kind of where Marv is. I feel like right now, um, almost in the fans' perspective. As well, like it's always like the oh yeah, that's right. He's still in the mix. He's like not new on the scene, and not ultra established like say Tomac rocks and his superstars. So I think he gets forgotten about. It's this, you're getting the same Marvin year in year out, which is really good. But like Tomac was such a or sorry Webb was such a dynamic story in Supercross. Like where did this come from? That I feel like Marvin's just giving you the same stuff. I don't mean to say that like he's not good. I just mean there's nothing new to report, I feel like, on him. You're getting the same Marv every time. But it does suck because, like, honestly, again, he was better than Roxon last week. But mm-hmm. it just doesn't seem right. like he's yeah, better he's, than him. But he was. He's just quiet. It's just, yeah. It's, yeah. You know. And remember that three- or four-week stretch in Supercross where we were like, hmm, maybe Marv's the best guy right now. Right. But it, he never seems to get the heat when uh, these, those things happen. JT Baggett, 7-7. Seven, seven. His wrist is bugging him still. Yeah, it was definitely an issue. Uh, he rode okay. I mean, it wasn't spectacular, but it, it was all right. He was in the mix with, with Zacho and Marvin and those guys. Um, the biggest thing, he just really hasn't been able to do a whole lot, I don't think. Uh, I didn't ask him specifically, but just the, the feeling I was getting was he hasn't been able to do a whole lot during the week. So uh, it was a solid day. I don't think he had any setbacks, which was the big thing. So hopefully he can go into these next two weeks and actually get some things accomplished. But yeah, it was all right. It was all right. Starts yeah. are still there. He just, right. you know, he keeps putting himself in a good spot. Then good things are going to happen. We had a Dean Ferris sighting. In the uh, yeah, in yeah, the he was up yeah. there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is that? It was good, obviously, for most of the moto. Then they were really eating him up late, and he looked tired. Um, but I don't know. Is it tired, or is it the? It all averages out. Like Tomac had fresh goggles and was coming forward. So he's pushing, and you end up finishing where you generally finish anyway. I don't know. But he looked tired at the end of that first moto, I thought. Probably bike setup. Probably bike setup. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. We're going to move this thing along a little bit. Um, Savachi came back. Would have been nice if the people that were at the track could have informed me on his day before I picked him for Pulp Mix Fantasy. It was a planned test session. Is, was that real? Is that real? Well, I don't know if it was planned, but I think in the second moto they were like, "Hey, if it doesn't, if it's not going very well, let's let's try to try some things." Oh, okay. So first moto though was a legit crash, just crash out. Wasn't just a test session. First moto. I I think he did. I didn't see the crash, but right. He he was up there kind of, and then all of a sudden he wasn't. Okay. Weege, anything on that? He, he told me he likes that track so much that he's like, "If there's any track, I'm going to try." at not quite maybe totally ready. This is probably the one. And if we're really, really, really off, then at least we have a weekend off to fix it. 
but at least we'll know what to work on. So mm-hmm. I don't think it was quite planned test session, but I do think they had a, in their mind this could go badly, but how can we use that to our advantage instead of just sitting at home and not learning anything? Right. Yeah. Uh, Justin Hill had a rough, well, I don't know if rough, um, compared to Paula anyways, 12-11 for him. Cole Seeley, 9-12, probably not where he wants to be. Yeah, but Seeley uh, was in he, there he at was, first moto. He was like fifth, yeah. and he tipped over. It, it was almost looking like a breakthrough. Was it? I don't remember that. Yeah. I watched yeah. Moto. He, he really was. His yeah. first moto looks terrible on paper, but he was riding incredibly well and actually still moving forward when he fell. So mm. that, we can't just bury him because he, he was definitely turning a corner like we said. Right. Uh, Henry Miller, 13th in the Moto 1. Good job. Uh, mm-hmm. Bowers has been quiet, man. Bowers is just, yeah, hasn't been as good he as was, I thought. Uh, he was battling with Lucercio and that, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 yep. all day long. Right. He was just in that group. Like, he wasn't doing He got tired, he did, but he didn't have the pace to move forward either. I mean, it was just one of those deals, you know. He's just right. kind of one of the guys back there. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else, four fifty wise? Uh, Bogle, that was that was okay by yeah. him. He even yeah. passed Tomac back without yeah. the goggles. I thought it was a little bit better for Bogle this week than last week. I yeah, thought. he went twelve twelve last week. He went ten ten this week. So, yep. Yeah, yeah. I thought he rode a little bit better results too. Do you have the Pulpmex Fantasy uh, overall point scoring trophy out? Me? Did he? But oh, Bogle, him? Bogle have it? Oh, from Soupy? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He oh. probably had some weird clothes though. <laughs> Yeah, he did. I think he did. Um, yeah. Jake Masterpool, rough day for him. Crashed out in Moto Two. Mm-hmm. First Moto wasn't his usual uh, stellar self. So, and Tomita and Koga—they uh, are always around each other. Have you guys noticed that? They're always around each other. It's oh, funny. and they do. Really? When they are close to each other. They freaking go for it. Like <laughs> Koga, especially. Like he goes into some sort of different mode. I think because there's so much pride of beating the other guy. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's they, like the most intense battle on the track. They've been close for sure. Um, Are we allowed to say the Kamikaze pilot anymore? Can we say that? Like uh, the late great Irv Braun? Or can you not use that term? I, I feel like you can. I don't know. Okay, so is that where they're at? Is it Kamikaze pilot when they're battling each other? I'm probably not the best judge of you know what, what you can say and what you can't say. What's offensive? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. That is true. Um, that's true. All right. Uh, that's 450 class from uh, – Thunder Valley. Any changes to the track or anything? They put some put some waves up there, some some rollers. Anything else? Was I didn't see look look pretty much the same. Well, AJT, what do you think? I feel again it wasn't, and maybe the last few years have trended this direction. I don't feel like it was as deep as disc as sandy. The ruts weren't as long. I mean, the ruts were gnarly, but I don't feel it was quite as deep as it has been in some of the unbelievably deep rut years in the past of that track. Is this another trend? Are we seeing this again? It was definitely ruddy, but I think there was a lot less sand. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I remember racing there some years where it was like full-on sand sections in some spots. Um, it's definitely not the native soil. Like, you talk to locals there, and they're like, man, this place is like asphalt, you know, during the normal season. But it was, I think it was closer to the, the natural surface than it's been in some years. We're going to have to find out. Like, is this, Mathis, you talked a lot about this at, at, last week with Fox Raceway, uh-huh. is it is this actually a conscious decision to make yeah. hard pack tracks a little more hard pack, or is uh, it just working out? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the power as a bee that I spoke to at Paul, I liked it and said that it wasn't maybe not a conscious decision, but they liked it. 
They agreed with yeah, that. Yeah, so maybe yeah. that's where we're maybe that's where we're headed. Right. And he, Our and buddy uh, Anton of Swap Moto Live, he told me that what he knows of that dirt of Pala, he's like, it doesn't even matter what your intent is. He's like, you can't rip that deep. It's just not yeah. literally not going to even allow you to do it, and even I, if you wanted to. And I would believe that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, everybody. Thank you, Fly Racing Racer X Podcast, presented by Maxis Alpine Stars and SlickWash.com. Thanks to those companies. Also, Race Tech, uh, Race Tech Suspension. Uh, Michael Lessy running Race Tech up this weekend in Calgary. Tyler Medavia using Race Tech as well. Ben Lemay, he's a Race Tech Suspension guy or a motor guy this year in for the outdoors. And so, Racetech.com, call there, mention Pulp MX to get a hell of a deal yeah, from those folks. So, all right, let's move on to 250s from Thunder Valley Weege JT on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Any. Issues with no penalizing AC for what he did, JT. In the end, no. To answer to, the short answer is no, but I do think it was worth the discussion. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with Justin Cooper. He was pretty adamant, but I don't. I also don't think he had seen any footage. I'm sure he hadn't seen any footage. Let's say. I think. Uh, I think there was a. a Fair protest made, but in the end, I'm happy that they didn't do anything. I think Adam, uh, he wasn't trying to gain an advantage. He absolutely slowed down when he came back on the track and kind of looked around like, hey, I'm not trying to cheat here. Um, You know, I think really Yamaha or whoever's protest, the only really ground they had was that he accelerated up the hill and then he cut a lot of the track off. Um, but in the end, I think the most important factor is that he wasn't trying to make up time and he absolutely looked around and didn't accelerate down the hill and said, Hey guys, like, I don't want to make up time here. Um, the tough part I will say though, and my only insertion of logic into this is that if you make a big mistake like that and you go off the track and through the banners, there should be a penalty to you. Not a not a enforced penalty from the AMA, but a time loss. Like for you to do that and almost crash and make this huge mistake, you're gonna lose time in every scenario of that in racing. Okay. In this scenario with Adam, he really didn't lose time because he had to cut across and he went off the track and whatever. It was almost the same. See I, so I could understand uh, Justin and Yamaha being mad with that. It's like, hey dude, he almost crashed like bad. Yet he really didn't lose any time. Like it didn't hurt him. How is that fair? You know, so I, I can see their side a little bit too. I watched it a few times. I thought he lost a little time from where he was. Not maybe not and enough. Maybe, a little maybe bit. not enough. But yeah. but he lost some time. Um, yeah. What do you think, Weege? I think for them oh. for them to say sorry for them to say he didn't lose enough because that was a huge mistake. I can get that. Okay. I, I could understand their point. Weege. Yeah, I didn't think at first it was really going to be an issue because, to me, he was so adamant, I feel like, given his body language and slowing down to the degree that he did, where he was like, I just, I know that this is potentially, I feel like Adam is thinking, I know this potentially is going to be bad, so I'm going to make it as obvious as possible that I'm trying to make the fairest, safest decision that I can and make it obvious so no one thinks that I just, in the heat of the moment, panicked and screwed up and did the wrong thing because we've definitely seen that happen with other guys a lot, like Savachi falling over and just cutting off an entire lane of the track. Like, I feel like he was conscious in the moment. I'm going to show that I know what I'm doing, and I'm trying not to take advantage of it. So with that, I didn't think it was really going to be an issue at all. I was quite surprised to hear Cooper not just thinking there was a chance, 
but saying, I felt that entire moto I was going to win the race because I knew he was going to get penalized. Like, I thought that was extreme. But in Cooper's defense, he took a look over real quick, and that was before Adam slowed down. So he's probably like, what the hell? The dude's now right on me after he almost crashed. But, dude, this thing went on forever. Like, I'm not kidding. I was at the track at 8 o'clock. This went on almost four hours of working this out and deciding what to do. And then we finally got a press conference together because uh, it was delayed because we didn't have 250 results yet. And Cooper was still sticking to that argument um, where he thought it was kind of ridiculous and he didn't understand why their arguments were being dismissed. I was a little confused that he could be that adamant even after seeing the footage. Now, I don't know if it's just like, look, we're battling for a title. I'm trying to get my first win. These points are valuable. We're going to make every possible case we can. Or maybe you even convince yourself in that situation. Maybe that's why. I was surprised that they could be that adamant when I feel like Adam was really trying hard to make it clear that he wasn't uh, breaking the rule. And those repeaters are super long. I don't really know what else he was supposed to do. Well, I, I remember there was a rider a few years ago that that did the same thing. He maybe didn't cut off as much as the track. It might have been Anderson and or and the comeback to, the comeback was I couldn't get on the track because of these damn banners. So he the first spot that there was a an opening in the track, he went on and cut through and 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 I got that excuse. I'm like, yeah, like, dude, they're they're they're, they're high. They're they're four feet high or whatever it is, you know, three feet high. Um, yeah. So I get that, but Adam. Yeah. Adam just wheelied it, you know. He, he, I guess at some point he's like, oh, screw it. I don't know where the opening is, you know. So the Well, uh, they even went up there. I couldn't believe it got this. It went this far. Like, I'm not joking. Like, three hours later, they all drove up there in, like, a minivan and walked it. And, then, you know, Steve, you've been to Thunder Valley enough. Like, that's far away, like, from the pits. Yeah. How high and far away that is. That's a long way. They were, like, dots <laughs> up there. And I think Adam was trying to point out that you know, first of all, if he, if he got right back on the track where he went off, it was some gnarly rollers. So that's a kind of a dangerous section to cut into the track. And I think he was alluding to that there were more wood stakes in those banners, too. Yeah. So he did wheelie onto the track. But I think from his vantage point, it was an easier right. section to wheelie onto. But I don't know what else he's supposed to do. I mean, I, I don't want to sound like I'm I don't want to sound like I'm bagging on Cooper too much. I was just surprised after watching the footage that they could be that adamant, right. unless their just the argument is. Dude, of course we're going to be. If we can take three points from him and get three points for ourselves, we're going to fight to the death. Will, Maybe that's the theory. Blame Will Hahn. <laughs> um, it was weird, too. Actually, yeah, the, what was funny about it was eventually I think that the two riders themselves didn't really want to even be a part of the discussion anymore. Oh, yeah. Like I just saw Justin Cooper standing along the fence by himself, and he's like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> like, he has his opinion. You know, but we're going to let Brad and Bobby Regan and Jim Perry and those guys argue. And same thing, Bruce and Mitch, I think, did more of the bidding than Adam did. Adam had to speak on his behalf to explain himself, but All I right. think teams did more work than the riders. The interesting thing uh, to me was, and it's, there's no way to ever prove it or anything like that, but I do think it may have played a role when, when that all went down and you can see Justin look over and, like, where the hell did he come from? Like, did he cut the track? What is he doing? Well, then he crashed. Oh, oh, dude, in the moment, I totally agree with you, JT. I think he had a complete right to be, like, completely and totally confused. I just don't understand why three hours later he still felt the exact same way. Yeah, because he would have watched the no, video. No, no, right. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. yeah. I get it. What, what I'm saying is, yeah. did that whole thing where he's now pissed that that happened lead to him crashing? Because he's worried about that instead of worried about what he's doing. 
Like, you I, know, I, I asked him that in the press conference, and he did it. say that it flustered him. So maybe you're onto something there. And what, whatever, if you're in court, what do you use, right? You use pain and suffering. Like, why wouldn't you? Hell yeah, I'd use that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd be like, it messed up my whole race. How about Cooper's first moto? That's balls on the handlebars right there. That that was pretty impressive early on. Like, yeah, that, yeah, he was he was good, man. Oh, and those downhills. Oh, good lord, dude. Yeah. yeah, he was he was he was balls out. Um, yep. They're breaking away a little bit here. They they're, are. They're kind of breaking away a little bit. They got the, all the moto wins. AC's got three. Ferrandis is uh, he is twenty seven back. Yeah, I, I think Ferrandis is still in this. I do. Oh yeah, I know that's hard to say being down twenty whatever points you said twenty six or twenty seven points down. He was going so damn fast at the end of the second moto. I was just watching him, wondering like, where the hell have you been, dude? Like he was hauling ass at the end of the second moto. But if he doesn't figure out a start or figure out how to get to the front earlier, it's not going to matter. I mean, he's yeah. he's really good in qualifying practice. He's been at the top of the board, you know, several times already this season. But same old, same old. It's almost like the beginning of the Supercross season. If you can't figure out how to get to the front with Cincerillo and Nichols and these guys, it's not going to matter. Dude, the, the AC's led 35 laps. Cooper's led 45 laps. The next highest guy is three. Yep. So And what's – on top of that, Sexton, man, I really think thought Sexton was going to be a title threat, and he's now forty-five points down. I think. Holy hell, did he get lucky in that second moto that he didn't smash into a tractor or a Toyota truck or something, a fried chicken stand, anything? When he <laughs> shut off the track, he there was he was completely out of control. Whatever was there, he was going to smash. And luckily, you know, to I'll give MX Sports and John Ayers and David Quayball and whoever else credit, there was nothing there to hit. But, man, that was lucky. Uh, I think the Geico guys, um, uh, reading between the lines of kind of what I was hearing from the riders post-race, that they were not pumped on their bikes at the altitude. So I think they would like to think, okay, we'll, we'll be back in the hunt like we were last week uh, when we're not in this altitude. But it seemed to magnify. We all know those Yamahas are really fast, and maybe that magnified it a little bit. That seemed to be the reading between was... the lines without trashing their – uh, the the machine. I was shocked. I was, I was shocked at all the testing they did before Paula. I was like, "What happened to your outdoor testing before Hangtown?" All those weeks and like they went out like four times uh, the week before Paula to test. I'm just like, "What?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Geico, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. They're all kind of alluding to like halfway up the start, just like being pulled bad. Well, and the interesting thing is, Hampshire was the fastest qualifier when the tracks all. Speed, you know, yeah. there's no bumps or ruts or anything. And he even he made mention on his uh, qualifying interview about how good his, their bike was at the altitude. So I'm not saying you're not right, Weed. Mm-hmm. I just I'm, it's surprising to hear after RJ was that fast and then talking about how good the bike was. Plus, yeah. he pulled well, the start. His and... first practice was messed up at the altitude. Then they got the bike fixed. Uh, yeah, you never know. It's I think this is probably why this setup stuff drives you nuts sometimes, Steve. Right? Like. <laughs> Before yeah. the race, when you're feeling good, everything's great, and then oh, it doesn't exactly. go the way you want, and then suddenly you find something. Oh, it's just yeah. it's 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 subjective to your results, and always the crutch. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's my whole you summed up my whole argument in life right there. It's just like, come on, man. Like the truth, like the, the, the you know, like uh, good gossip this weekend and down in, up in Can- up in Canada, like Troy Lee guys, just they just they can't stand their bikes. 
just they don't like their bikes. You know. Yeah, I'm hearing that too. They, yeah. they, they may move on. Yeah. Uh, apparently, apparently, McElrath said Star are going to go to Star, and Jordan may go to Pro Circuit, and blah blah blah. I get it. You're telling me these bikes are that bad, really? Factory KTM's? They're just they're just they're that bad. They guys are winning last year. You know, like I, I just give me a break. Come on. So. Yeah, oh. none of these teams are. I mean, dude. Either one, Geico Honda or, or Charlie Designed KTM, they, they shouldn't be that bad, right? No, no. Um, they know what they're doing. Michael Moseman, uh, first time on the Public Mech Show last Monday night. First oh. time on the podium. Oh. Uh, this, Coincidence? This, yeah. Uh, seriously, though, we've been talking about him for, for a couple of weeks. All of us have, and, and, and good, good for Michael. It's a good job. 4-3 on the day. Well, so I think that both Jordan Bailey and Thomas Covington must hate him right now. Because he is the reason they can't go. Yeah, we got we got bike issues. We're we're just not very good right now. Mm-hmm. But Michael Moseman has now killed that argument. There is yeah. that argument is now dead. And uh, yeah, I mean, good for him. He is absolutely earning a ride for next year, in my opinion. He's riding very well. Um, speaking of Covington, anybody got anything? Anybody? I, I will share a story. So I was walking to uh, the. Lucas Oil first class zone where I was going to talk to dealers and it was the start. It just happened. I was on my way there and you know, the tabletop, uh, the tabletop that's just before where Tomac was pulling his film. So it's just before the, the like left hand, like downhill section that has always been there. It used to wrap all the way around this like, never ending left hand turn this year. They changed it where it was just a downhill and then at one eighty. Yeah. Well, right before that tabletop. Where the fans are and stuff. Right. Yep. Yes. So right before that tabletop, uh, it's the first lap, and and Covington had a terrible start anyway. He's probably, I don't know, maybe 30th. He gets bumped off the track or gets cross-shotted or whatever, goes off the track before that tabletop. Well, I know he's never raced here before, so he probably doesn't know the little nuances. Well, you can't go around that tabletop on either side because there's a tunnel. So they have it blocked off. And there's a tunnel for spectators to cross the track. That way, the, the total track is accessible for spectators, which is awesome. Well, when he gets bumped off, he's just like, screw it. I'll go around the tabletop and come back on. Well, that's impossible because now there's a tunnel. So he rides all the way along the side till he gets to the tunnel. And then you can literally see him go, oh, crap, I can't. So he has to do get, get off his bike, back it up, turn around, and take off again. All the way back down the lane he was just on, like a water truck lane, then climb up the grass and onto the table. It was, and I'm standing there watching him from the water truck lane with like my jaw dropped, like as bad as it's gone. Now this guy is 30 seconds behind last place because he thought he could go around this jump and it, it was blocked off. Yeah, it was his complete outdoor season in one <laughs> snapshot of how it's gone. It, and then the second mode, he gets a bad start. He can't do anything either. I. Yeah. I feel sorry for him. He's got the pressure he must be feeling right now. Like, yeah. Like, he, this no is this is unbelievably bad. This isn't a 12th place finish, 13th place finish. You know, this isn't any of that. So, no. and it's not the tough part. And, and we all, I think we, I can fairly say we all like Tom. Like, he's a really nice guy. He genuinely is. He doesn't give you a lot of reasons to dislike him. It's, it hasn't been good on any level other than one moto at Paula was, I'll say, acceptable. You know, he got a good start, and he hung in there to, to get a 10th. Every other time on the track has been, it's been not good, man. It's from qualifying, 
to every moto. Uh, he hasn't had speed, not in qualifying. He hasn't had even a flash, you know, in the track. And it, it doesn't seem to matter. It doesn't matter if the track's smooth. It doesn't matter if the track's rough. I don't have any answers, and I don't think they do either. Uh, it's It's been a bad deal, man. I, I, I echo your sentiments. I just feel bad for him. Um, Nichols, 13-4. So nice rebound in the second moto for Colt. I keep waiting for the bubble to burst a bit on Nichols outdoors, but it's not happening. Like, I mean, obviously the 13th was not ideal, but but nice rebound, right? You always like to see that. Uh, Hunter Lawrence, Weege? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I guess it was the bike for all those guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm wondering, he told me that he didn't think he had that big an advantage of Powell because he's like, the only time I rode the track the way it was for the National was on the same pro day that everybody else had two weeks earlier. Right. Uh, but I still think we've definitely seen some dudes come in in their first year of the Nationals and do really well. But to me, it just seems crazy. JT, correct me if I'm wrong. It just seems crazy that you could learn the track so effectively with the unbelievably short amount of time that they have. It just seems like such a massive disadvantage uh, to me. It, so, it is a disadvantage. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I think he, they're doing a great job of learning it, but it, it's still a disadvantage. No matter how good you are, you're still giving up a lot because you just yeah. don't, you don't know all the subtleties, like all the the way the lines are going to form, and you know you don't have any of that experience or or knowledge to draw from. I mean, what I mean, there's so little time. Those practice sessions are so short, and they're not well. They're not even practice sessions. I mean, you got to go balls out. Uh, it's I, I was I, I'm impressed by any of the dudes that come over. We've seen guys win immediately. I don't know how they do it. Yeah, yeah. I was standing out there watching and. They got two laps, and then it was go time. I mean, that was it. Like, two laps, you better jump all the jumps in a hurry, and then it was balls out everything you got. Well, yeah. It's, it's tough, man. It's, it's not easy it's on riders. It's completely I, different. I've man, I managed a couple weeks. I, I noticed this. It's not easy on riders. No, but it's so different. Imagine you're a GP guy, and you know we all know how much they ride. Like, it's, it's a ton of riding over the course of a weekend before you have to go race. So um, that's got to be a huge adjustment for these guys. Is the troll train, is it wobbly? Why again? Here's the problem with the troll train, man. The troll train has been so similar year in and year out. I mean, you look at 16, 17, 18, pretty much troll train was the same. Maybe you could say 16. There was a little extra glimmer of, of balls out speed that he maybe didn't have in 17 and 18, but he's pretty much giving you the same thing over and over. So to me, if there's even a slight drop off, it's more noticeable. So he hasn't been terrible, but, I mean, he was, as you like to say, a title contender, and yeah. he's won motos at this track before. So it, it magnifies to me the drop-off when his days are only eh. Because he didn't get terrible starts. Like, he, he no. Moto 1, ninth, nope. he finished ninth. Moto 2, eighth, finished 12th. Like, so it's not like, oh, your starts weren't there and you had to work up, Troll Train, you know. No. So, no, so. the beginning of the moto, you see him. I mean, you right. see the yellow fender. It's in that train. So... The, the freight uh, train up front, not the troll train, but he, it doesn't. He's he's not able to make her happen. He was. I was at dinner with Nicoletti uh, up in Canada, and all of a sudden he gets a text from Alex. Alex is like, "Hey, can I stay on your couch this week?" So meaning to go down, he wanted to go down to club, you know, and, and ride. And Phil was mad. This is one of his good friends, but Phil was mad that that was the first time he talks to him in weeks. Uh, Alex is asking for a favor. So then they start text battling back and forth, and I'm like, Phil, just the guy wants to stay on your couch, like just. At some point, he, he 
he he starts calling they call, start start calling each other names and I'm like well, this just started with a friend asking another friend to sleep on a couch and it just got ugly really quick and I was like what's wrong with you people so uh, this was again wait this was Phil right yeah yeah okay shocking yeah yeah so um, that's Phil anyways uh <laughs> what else uh, March Banks was just okay Jordan Smith welcome back to the living at least for Jordan Smith right eleven eight. It's consistent. He'll take that. I'm sure he's not stoked, but he'll take it. Um, yeah, he told me he didn't even get to ride during the week. This wrist is right, still messed up. Right. Supercross. So that's he did fade a little bit, and that's probably why. Time yep. Master Pool pulled a holy first moto. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, yeah. It was all right. He got sixth out of that. That was that's not terrible. Is, did how already that class can be? We saw Jordan Bailey ride off in the first moto. Is he okay? He didn't start second one. So did we? Did we hear anything official? Let me see here. Jordan Bailey, that we said? Yeah. Yeah. The sec- second moto, he did not ride. No. Uh, I I talked to someone who swears to me that he was down on the starting line, ready to go, and then all of a sudden he didn't go. So okay. I don't know what happened in the last seconds there because they put an alternate in. Yeah. But he swore to me he saw him down there with his bike ready to go, and then all of a sudden he didn't race. So that's all I got. We'll have to ask the German media. Germany, yes, yeah. the German. The German media. Right. The team press release says it was a bike issue beyond his control. Oh. Um, yeah, and that, I think that would I make saw him ride off sense. in the first, like, in the mechanics area and then ride off, right? Yeah. Not in the second moto. The first moto, yes. Yes, second but moto, yeah, he never raced. I heard, but, right. 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 I so, heard okay. it was frantic. I heard there were frantic things going on yeah, so before would, the second moto gate drop, and then he sense. didn't race. Hartraft uh, yeah. Hayes. I was impressed, though, in this Husqvarna press release, it says... Bailey went 40 DNS for 20th overall. Very impressive. 20th. Very impressive. 20th overall. 40, 40 DNS for 20th. Oh, and wow. Covington went 30-27 for 16th overall. <laughs> that is. That's. That's hard to do. That's hard amazing. Do. Yeah, yeah. It's, finish overall 11 positions further than you finished. Were they counting overall. like maybe all Huskies and KTM's only? I don't know. I don't know. I was joking with James Hansen, who works at Rockstar, around the flight together on the way back. I'm like, dude, how did Bailey do this? How did he basically get 40th in two motos, but 20th overall? That's yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, yeah. Do we have anything on Hayes or Hartraft? Anything exciting happen? They're both pretty good. Not bad. Okay. I mean, it was, I don't think it was over the top for either one of them, but they, I mean, they both rode fairly well. Okay. All right. Uh, Hartraft's first moto wasn't stellar, I don't think. Uh, but they were, you know, 10 to 20, whatever. All right, everybody enjoying the week off? Does that seem to be the, the general theme in the pits, Weege? Uh, I'm not sure actually so much. I think a lot of dudes are fired up right now. I mean, at the top of the list is Justin Cooper, who said like nine times he wished they were racing this weekend because he's so fired up. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of the guys that aren't getting the results they want right now are they're they're itching. It's, it's weird. You would think, I know what you're saying, usually around high point time, everybody's dying for some time off. Yeah. But I think some guys are not happy the way things have gone, results-wise or whatnot, or ruling-wise in Cooper's case, and want to keep are, on going. Are we all still Ferrandis title guy? Well, I said heavy favorite, right? Yeah. You did. I, you did. I did. I really thought the starts, I thought he had figured this out, but the starts are just as bad as they've always been. You know yep. what I'm going to do right now for comedy's sake? I'm going to text Villeman right now. Hopefully he gets back to us here. Okay. Why 
are Dylan's starts so bad? And then he will come <laughs> back with an equally amazing comeback. I have a feel. I have a feeling. So. Okay. Uh, I'll keep You're setting him up. Yeah, I'll keep everybody informed on, on what La Cobra says about this. So, all right. Anything else yeah. for two fifties? Uh, nope. I don't think so. Moving on to high point. Moving on to week off. What about uh, Canada? How was it? Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, opening round of motocross, and they had live timing issues off the bat, which just continues this phenomenal streak, I think, of 10 or 15 years of not having live timing figured out for the first race, even though they had arena cross series that li- had live timing. It's it's phenomenal. It's, it's amazing, and uh, it's uh, a Lou Gehrig-type streak that Canadian motocross is working on. So the first practice, no one knew anything. And I think it was just a free practice, even though it was supposed to count for your qualifying time. So that was a great start. Um, but uh, Calgary's a cool track. Uh, club puts a lot of work into it. You know what? It actually reminds me of Lakewood. It's very similar to Lakewood. Like if you don't, you think J- I guess JT you raced there eight, eight, 18 years ago, but um, yeah, it's kind of similar to Lakewood. It dries up. It looks good in the morning. It firms up good. Then it's got ruts and dries up and gets a little dusty and hard pack as the day goes on. So um, same kind of dirt. And if you think about Calgary, it's a little different. Yeah, it is. It is similar. I'll give you that. I, I only raced there once, and one moto was dry, and one moto was muddy as hell. Um, right. I think that Colorado is a little. I don't. I don't know the right. It, it wasn't that slippery this weekend, but it's 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 that mountain dirt, and okay, it's, it's a lot more slippery than it looks like. Right. But if you look, I don't know that Calgary is that slippery. But straight up from Denver is Calgary. You know, it's the same plane. Of, no, I, yeah, of, I get you. Geog- I get you. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, so this is awesome. Josh Hosby wins the MX2, 2-2, wins the overall. Our buddy Phil goes 2-2. He gets third, though, because that's how Phil's life works. Yeah. That's how Phil life, yeah. Phil's life works. So, um, uh, uh, our buddy, uh, our buddy Homo, he calls in your show quite a bit, right? Yep. Yeah, in a different text thread I'm on, he said, Phil, good job proving that consistency actually doesn't count. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he was good though, man. Like seriously, I'm have to reevaluate my Phil Canadian title talk. Like he was good. He he was catching Cole Thompson in the second moto when he stalled it, and then Alessi and Fasciati got back around him, and then he was so angry he caught those guys back up and passed them back to get back into second. Like that, and that was late in the moto, so that was impressive because catching Fasciati was you know that's not something that a lot of guys do. Um, and then he yeah man he charged hard. F- both motos, you know, and uh, so Phil was pretty good on hard packed dirt, like stuff that doesn't really suit him. Um, unless he, how was the attitude? Oh, shitty as usual. Yeah, yeah. Okay, absolutely. Um, he uh, he said he ran into a lot of my my the fans there, a lot of fans. He ran into my shit show that I have, you know. So, um, also uh, Michael Lessi, concrete start this weekend. First two rounds of concrete start. So that's a really weird thing. But um, and Michael Lessie pulled two ginormous hole shots and led both motos uh, for a while. First moto, I got to be honest. It, it, if you had said to me twelve minutes in, how much would you bet that Mike wins this moto? We're twelve minutes in. You know, we're not ha- quite halfway, but we're twelve in. And I would have said, uh, yeah, I would have bet a lot of money. He looked good, but then honestly, both motos were car- carbon copy. Pull the whole shot, lead laps, and he looked tired. Mike, Mike looked like he got tired. Um, so he yeah, went. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, you gotta think about how long he's been doing this. He turned pro in 04. 
Yep. We're 15 years in, you know. I don't think he's the Navy SEAL that he once was. Right. Um, yeah, so 4-4 four, four on the day for him. Um, yeah, Thompson won the second moto, uh, got out front early, got around Phil, uh, first lap or something, and then um, got Mike and then took off. Fasciati won the first moto with Phil kind of there, lurking around him. That I'll tell you what, though, the, the MX2 class is going to be good. It's going to be really good. You have Jess Pettis, who won the title last year. He's injured. He's barely been riding. So he grabbed both hole shots. I think he got both official hole shots. Maybe not. Um, and then he finished like 5-4, uh, 4-5, something like that. No, 5-6 or 6-5 or something. So he's not 100%. But then uh, Welton led laps in the second moto. Uh, Reslin won a moto. Um, uh, Tanner Ward was really good, the Canadian guy. Um, Dylan Wright was balls out fast in the first moto, and then he crashed in the first turn when they watered the crap out of it. And then he charged all the way back up to, like, fourth from dead last. Probably would have got on the podium, but then he smoked a flagger. He got out of control and hit a flagger. Hey. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that kind of behavior. <laughs> but but he, he went and circled back and saw the flagger after the moto when they were still working on him on the ground and said he gave him a jersey. So, no. Yeah. So, gave him a jersey. Um, so anyway, so Dylan was really fast, but he's not consistent. And Tyler Medaglia w- was consistent, like in the he crashed in the first moto early, then he got third. So the MX2 class is going to be good. Like there's a lot of guys that could could do it. Um, Osby was good, Tanner Ward was good, Dylan Wright was good, Reslin won a moto. Jess Pettis, you know, will be good once he gets up to speed. So MX2 might be really, really good. Man, remember the Pettis hype that was going in Supercross? That's really unfortunate. Um, yeah, he crashed. The Charlie team has had their, their bumps and bruises. Yep. Uh, he got hurt really at the wrong time. Like, yep. it was really yep. looking good. People probably forgot now. Yep. Um, you know who was really bad was uh, Matt Gerke. He was off the pace bad. I don't know. He won the Canadian really? He won the Canadian Arena Cross title. Yeah. Which made you feel like he was, you know, back and feeling good. And, dude, he was not good. He he got dropped fast. He went 5'6", six, 6'5", six, or maybe 6'7", or something. Like, yeah, I don't. Five six. Huh, that's surprising. Like, yeah, dude, and yeah. off the pace badly. Um, so Matt struggled a little bit. Moffenbeier was okay. Um, you know, after that, it was it's, it's Canadian. Canadian. Oh, Mike what Brown. Is this, uh, Mike Brown was yeah ninth, Mike, ninth Mike, overall. Yeah, Mike just Brown. just and he won the one twenty five class. So he rode two motos in one twenty five class, <laughs> won that, and then he got top. Then he got ninth in MX one. Like just just a Lord. just a manimal dude. Just Twice the man I will ever be, Mike Brown. Just yeah. So, oh my God. Yeah. So, anyways, um, what is this? Uh, the next track, this Prince George track. What is it? Well, I don't think I've ever seen it. It's Concrete Star. It's hilly and it's sandy. It's actually pretty good. It's huh, okay. eight hours north of Vancouver. Wow. <laughs> That's what I North Pole, dude. Get this. It's not Rich. even. It's not even halfway to the Northwest Territories, because I was asked that question this weekend. I'm like, well, how many more hours can it be to the Northwest Territories? They're like, probably another eight. What? So, yeah. Wow. Um, so, oh, Cobra responded. Let's see. Uh, That's where the Wolverine is from. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they're not as, Dylan's starts are not as bad as they seem. His first lap is worse than his starts. Okay. Okay. Uh, All right, um, take it back. So, he would be the heavy favorite. I just thought his first laps would be better. Right. Sorry. So, Alessi, like, there's serious hype with this program right now. Um, you know, he it's basically a Bullfrog Spas bike. They bought a spot with the GDR team that Colton rides for. Fasciati's bike has different motors, different suspension. 
than Mike. Mike has totally different bike than Colton. So I wonder how that's going to go when one or the other is beating the other guy, right? Um, they kind of run their own program there. So, but they bought a spot. Yeah. So they can it. They Genova came up. Tony Alessi came up this weekend. Danielle. Um, the whole thing was everybody was there, and so Weege they had their Friday night dinner. They, really? They asked. They asked Digger of of GDR Honda, the team owner, if they could do their Friday night dinner. And if everybody at the table could get up and speak. And and so they did. And I'm probably not at liberty to say on this podcast, but our buddy Ryan Gauld, I guess, was 15 rum and cokes deep when he, when it was his turn. He and, was the, the media <laughs> guest of honor? Yeah, yeah, or whatever. They tuned it. They're like, we will pick now prominent Canadians. Yeah, yeah. So, beautiful. I mean, my our buddy Noof was tell I mean I I wish I was there I I wish someone would have got the speech on camera or on video he, I know he, I know the things he was saying oh. he he said Mike you're just a top five guy this was after I guess Genova said that Mike was the class of the field uh, at some point he asked Genova for 300k to buy the series and he can run it um, oh I don't know dude <laughs> the things that called he was saying. <laughs> I'd rather have a hidden camera there than anything that goes on. A yeah, section. yeah. He started. Uh, Vince Freeze came up. Vince came up to support him, and, and at some point he's making Benoit jokes, and because remember Freeze and Benoit got into it years ago, and oh god, I guess it was just epic. <laughs> it was just like the worst, you know, the best man speeches. That everybody gets up and they, they're yeah, scared about. Yeah. yeah, well, I guess Galdi delivered one of those at his team dinner. So was cooler there? No, no cooler. What? No cooler. I guess no situations needed to be cooled. Okay. So, At some point, though. Yeah. Mike was not happy after the day. Like, he he actually uh, he turned down one of my interviews, uh, post-race interviews, and then later on he found me and said, hey, I'll do this interview. So props to him for doing it. And, he, you know, he was a fine interview. Mike knows how to, how to talk to the media and everything. But he was pissed, man. It was, yeah, he was, like, the lead. He led the most laps in the day, I would bet. And he went 4-4. So. It was it because you didn't sign the contract? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Do I don't think okay. so. I don't We're think so. That. I think we're past right. that, yeah. So, okay. um, but yeah, it was good racing. Like it was, yeah, it was it was good racing. So I'm gonna write about it this week in my column, which uh, probably will nobody will read, but I don't care. I will do it anyways. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it was it was good. So uh, Phil, Phil update was that he was better than expected, and he's one point behind Fasciati and 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 Thompson for the red plate after after a dirt round. So. Yeah, I feel like. Um our interaction with Phil leading up to the race, I'm not going to say he was positive, but you never really catch Phil in what you'd call a good place in any way, shape, or form, and it seemed like he was. Yeah. He, he seemed like he's like, I'm good, I'm feeling good, I'm confident, I got yep. this handled, yep. I'm in a good spot, and you don't ever get that vibe from him. So to me, that means a lot. He, he looked like he was in shape, too, compared to those guys. Like, he he yeah. was going good at the end of the races. You know, when he, yeah. like I said, like, Fasciati's a pro, right? Like, he, you know, he knows what he's doing, and Phil just caught him in late in that second moto. See you later. You know, and, and not too many guys do that. To Colton, so uh, Seiji, I talked to Seiji. Seiji said he was happy. You know, we were on a text thread with his agent and Phil on that Saturday week, and I was giving, uh, giving beautiful. Updates, so. Yeah, he asked me to attach himself in there, yeah. and uh, I believe you texted after the first moto when Phil got second. Why don't you work on that boot deal now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and he, then he writes back, "It keeps him hungry, Steve." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Phil said uh, that his agent won't give a shit about him because Savachi's back, and that's all he cares about. So. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Right. Um, but he he did flip off a lapper in in the air over the finish line, turned over at him and gave him a big middle finger. 
So, <laughs> good times in Calgary, everybody. Um, the, the you fr- and Phil, Phil in Canada. I mean, it's just yeah, it's just flies to honey or yeah. bees to honey. I don't yeah. know much about animals, but yeah. no, now now I don't even know if insects are animals. But now the big thing is that. Uh, he didn't like his stand. His team, he doesn't like his stand that he has, so he puts his bike on the stand and almost slides off. And, and so now he wants a stand, but then he's sponsored, not sponsored by the team that will give him a stand. And so now you know, he may have to buy a stand. I don't know. He, he wants to buy a stand. I, I don't know. I've never heard a rider complain about a stand, his team stand. But that, that's that's right. Phil. That's Ever. Phil for you. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we got to get Phil a stand or GoFundMe or something because, you know, to buy a stand that he likes. <laughs> All right, uh, all right. So that's it. That's the Calgary recap, Thunder Valley as well. So, I hope you guys missed me this weekend. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold it down for you guys at a high point because I think I'm the only one there, right? Yeah, yeah. Missing yeah, that one. He's finally getting old. You're uh, as they say in the NBA, you have load management now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Try to cut back on your minutes. Listen, listen. The guy, the other guy on the phone here, doesn't go to any nationals. Okay, he'll go to one this year out of eleven, out of twelve. So. Yeah, Washougal. You'll be at Washougal too, JT, right? Uh, I will be at Southwick and Washougal for sure. Oh, Southwick. Oh, yep. Any reason why? Uh, it's your favorite national. It's not my favorite. One twenty-five All Star, JT. Yeah. No. Come no. on, dude. You gotta redeem yourself. Seriously, like we'll get. We'll we'll make sure it's good. <laughs> no, one twenty-five All Star. Absolutely not. You have had garbage luck at these little races, these little <laughs> exhibition. My races. results have mirrored my preparation. Oh boy! <laughs> All right, well, two weeks off. I'm enjoying that because I, I, like I said, I'm not going to high points. So I'm really going to enjoy that. It's going to be, it's going to be nice. So can't can't wait. Um, all right. So thanks to Fly Racing, uh, Racer X Podcast. Thanks to Maxis, Alpine Stars, Slick Wash as well. Weege, JT. Thanks, boys. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. Absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. 
the working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The Dogger, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did, everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pit and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years.